Before Zoom Info, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. Now, Zoom Info helps you automate, scale up, and reach marketplace domination. Win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market. Welcome to the Palpably Unfair Podcast. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by another Philadelphia Eagles fan because that is how my job works these days. Ben Natan. Ben, he writes for Bleeding Green Nation. I will give him the floor right now to tell for him to tell you a little bit more about himself. Ben, what up, man? Hey, how you doing? It's it's uh, been a, a while since I came on an SB Nation podcast. Uh, I guess they're finally letting me back on these things. Yeah, I'm, I've been at uh, Bleeding Green for five years now, writing about the NFL draft. I also do some like basic NFL and sports coverage at SB Nation, talking about like politics and social issues and sports, but mostly the draft, working our way through another strange draft season. Uh, last year, we at least had a combine, but uh, this year it feels even a little bit stranger. What is going like? What is next? Because Roger Goodell said he expects to have fans in, but they have to do all the COVID testing. So what, like, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think we will get back to some sort of normalcy this season? Uh, I think that there's definitely going to be fans in stadiums. I think everything kind of hinges on how vaccination efforts go this summer. As long as the states are going to allow them to fill up the stadiums, they're going to fill the stadiums up because I know they lost a lot of money this past season and they're, they're probably looking to, to recoup pretty significantly and do so however they can. So as long as you know, the states allow and, and the, the, uh, the federal government allows for, you know, mass occupancy, max occupancy at, at stadiums and stuff like that. I think they're, that's probably what they're going to be going for. So today we're going to talk about the pro day circuit there. It has been a busy week. There have been a lot of fast people running more so than usual this year because, you know, the con- there was no combine and the places that are reporting these times, whether it be the school or where the athletes are training get to self-report these times so conveniently everyone is running very very fast let's start with lsu because they have a wide receiver who did not play in 2020 who is going to be a top 10 pick and he deserves that jamar chase jamar chase is he only weighed i believe it was 202 pounds that was did you expect him to be bigger than that before we get any further um i probably expected him to be somewhere in like the like the mid 200 like two between like 205 to like 210 because he's not exactly like i mean he's like 511 six foot i think and for a guy to be you know six foot and 205 i mean he's rocked up i mean there's not an ounce of body fat on him so i'm not really surprised that it's like maybe lighter than maybe people thought but He's not small. <laughs> he's not a small guy. Not at all. And you could see him like he he's yeah, he's 200 pounds, but he's a big 200 pounds. So his test numbers, 41 inch vertical, 11 foot broad jump. And he was timed. And I'm using air quotes here. 4.38 40 yard dash. And when I watch Chase, I don't see a 4.3 guy, but I do see that type of explosiveness where he he does jump. You know, he has that 41 inch vertical. You can see that when the ball is in his hands. I would describe him as a guy who has next man speed. When he gets the ball, he has that adrenaline rush where he gets another gear. But he's he's not a four three guy. And at the same time, I don't think that's a problem. Like, that's not me hating on him, or that's not a knock to say he's not one of the fastest human beings in the world. He's only kind of fast. Like he's four four really fast. I guess I should qualify that. So, what was your takeaway from Chase's pro day? 
I I wasn't super surprised that he ran fast just because of what he was doing after the catch uh, right. when he was at LSU. They used him on a lot of short passes during his sophomore year. And when you're able to take a slant to the house as a 19-year-old in the SEC, uh, running away from the entire defense, I mean, that signals that you have some sort of speed. Uh, I, I mean, the difference between 4-3-8 and 4-4-5 is minimal. Um, you know, in it, like we as – NFL draft people see a huge difference between them, but on the field, I mean, there isn't a. What, if you're running sub four four five, you are fast as hell. Right. Uh, so I, I'm. I was never really worried about his speed. The fact that he ran four three eight is obviously impressive. I know that down in LSU, I think they have like the official um, hand timer that the combine use, like the same guy. Um, so I wonder how much we're going to factor that into how much we care about the times. But you can't fake a jump, right? So the that vertical. Um, those broad jump numbers are, are are kind of indicative of the kind of player he is. And the thing with Chase, and, and I don't want to throw shade too much at Joe Burrow, but I think that Chase is probably more <laughs> um, just because of Joe Burrow's uh, playing style as a quarterback. We didn't get to see that downfield separation from Chase because uh, Burrow's style almost forced him into more contested situations as a, as a receiver. So you saw Chase winning a lot of jump balls uh, during that season where he put up uh, 20 touchdowns. Uh, and you think, OK, well, maybe this is his game. Maybe he's only going to be able to win in contested situations. He's not the type of guy who gets separation downfield. But I think his best football is still ahead of him. If you pair him with a quarterback who can really put it on him down the field, I mean, you're going to see a guy whose who's, uh, yards per, per reception go way up. His separation down the field is going to be a lot more evident because those are, it's just going to be, he's going to be getting different kinds of targets in the NFL than he did maybe at LSU. So this is a probably unfair podcast. We can call it how it is. Baby arm Burrow. We can just, we can say what it is, what the re- real reason uh, was. And we saw it in the NFL last year. So, um, Jamar Chase also three nine eight three cone, which is or short shuttle, which is very very impressive. So he can move side to side. He has that agility. And another receiver um, just tells you the type of talent that they have at LSU. Man, Terrence Marshall. He also had a thirty nine inch vertical. He had a ten four broad jump, which is very very good. Just Chase's eleven broad jump is unreal. And right. Marshall also ran an unofficial four three eight. Have you watched much Marshall at all? Yeah, I mean, Marshall Marshall is, uh, feels like an easy evaluation for me uh, in terms of a guy who can stretch the field vertically. And I think that because he was asked to do that so often at LSU where you had, um, you know, a Justin Jefferson and a Jamar Chase last year uh, who were kind of able to do like the nitty gritty stuff. And then Terrace Marshall was like, for lack of a better comparison, he was like your three-pointer, three-point shooter coming off the bench. You can, you know, limited targets, but high efficiency kind of guy. Um, and he he really showed out a lot this year as a deep threat. His speed is evident. He's got soft hands. Um, maybe not the type of guy who you're using in like contested situations or using over the middle, um, but someone who can make a, a defense respect you and respect your passing game. I would love to see him get it on team like the you know the Chiefs or something like that. Like they love running a track team on their offense, and and having a guy like Terrace Marshall uh, feels like the perfect fit for what they want to do. Uh, I think he's been getting first round hype, which. I for the right team makes a lot of sense, but you know if you're a team like the Eagles who needs like an X guy, like they they need like your number one guy. I don't know if Marshall is that guy for you, but definitely a guy who can be like a a high efficient uh, high efficiency role player. Yeah, I compared Terrence Marshall to Pierre Garcon because mm. you see that 
deep threat and he is going to make plays no matter what because he is faster and stronger than you you mentioned the high efficiency the high efficiency the three-point shot i think when you also talk about a first round a first round wide receiver he needs to be scheme proof like he has to be a guy where any offense oh he can do this oh he can do that there shouldn't be any qualifiers or caveats for a first round wide receiver so that's why i would be out on him as a first rounder but I mean, we're, when we're talking about we're talking about a dude who's very, very talented, and I mean, in any in most any other wide receiver classes, he'd probably be in that top five. Oh, let let's go circle back to Chase here real quick. Is is he a guy that should be a shoe in for a top ten pick? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that there's a meaningful conversation to be had about comparing Chase to to a guy even like uh, Devontae Smith, who obviously has been doing it for a long time, has produced at an elite level for two years now and might have a little bit more polish to his game. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, they're both going to be phenomenal players in the NFL. I think that there is a really good argument that Chase is going to be a better player and is a better prospect. So if you're a team like the Dolphins or the Bengals who really need uh, a playmaker to change their offense, I mean, Chase is going to be your guy. So LSU, I mean, they had a bunch of guys do very well at their pro day. Another guy that we mentioned before we got on here is Jabril Cox, who is a name that some people might not know. He is, I don't know if you want to call him a linebacker or safety, who knows? He's a second level defender. Let's just call him that. He performed very well. What? What's? Give us kind of a background on Jabril Cox. Like what kind of stands out when you watch him? Because he is an elite level athlete and um, yeah, go ahead. So the thing with Jabril Cox that I think is really interesting is that he was actually playing at North Dakota State for for the bulk of his career, and he played very well. And he made the transition from being a high-level FCS defender going right into the SEC onto the LSU defense. And an LSU defense that had been depleted by the draft and was moving over to a new uh, a new defensive coordinator. You know, they worked with Bo Pelini this year. Uh, so there was a lot of different factors there that were kind of working against Jabril Cox. And I think the first game I really noticed him during the season was he balled out against Florida. He had an incredibly good game against Florida. And he played extremely well against Florida's high-powered passing game. I mean, when you have guys like, uh, like Tony and... Pitts and Grimes, I mean, lots of speed. Um, and he was all over the field covering receivers, kind of giving Pitts some problems. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And, and I, I, you know, he, he and I did the research and it's like, OK, he came from the FCS and he played well the whole season. And he's I think he's six two, probably 225 pounds. I didn't get to see the measurements from today. But all this conversation being had about Jeremiah Usakoromoa out of Notre Dame as being this, you know, this really great uh, chess piece on defense who, you know, he's speedy, he can cover the slot. People are talking about him like he's a top 20 pick, which I'm not super in on with him. But it's if he's a top 20 pick, it's like then Cox needs to be in the conversation for a top 50 pick because he's offering you that same versatility on defense. And in a pass happy, in a pass happy NFL, having a guy who can, cover the slot, cover wide receivers, uh, cover tight ends, and also at the same time have the physicality, have the instincts to defend against the run. I mean, he's playing every down. I think that uh, Owusu Koromoa, he's going to have a little bit of an adjustment period to the NFL because of his style and the way that he was uh, kind of like a run-and-chase linebacker, whereas you saw Cox a lot of times playing the strong side and having no problem getting getting uh, in the nitty-gritty for you know playing defense. Um, and stopping the run, he is like, I think he's going to 
make a big impact from day one on an NFL defense. Uh, and, you know, him having a big pro day is not a big surprise for me. Um, and I hope, you know, for his sake that it helps boost up his stock to where, where it should have been a couple weeks ago. He was clocked in-game, which is far more important than, you know, a, a timed 40. He was clocked at a peak speed of 21 miles an hour, which kind of gives you an idea of the, the elite type of speed he has. Because when you look at next-gen stats, most of their elite guys that are running in the NFL, their top five carries are, you know, it was Raheem Mostert, 23 miles an hour. But after that, it was pretty much in the 21. So we're talking about an elite-level athlete. So get speed at the second level on defense, put them on the field, and good things will happen. Do not make it any more tougher than it needs to be. Let's move on to Florida, who apparently also has a bunch of aliens working out. So Kyle Pitts, and I'm sure as an Eagles guy, you have ad nauseum spoken about him. Kyle Pitts, man, I don't, I don't know what else there is to say that has not been said. He came in at 6'5". He was 245 pounds. His vertical was surprisingly low, 33 and a half, but he ran a 4-4. And you see that. I remember I was just watching uh, Kentucky's Kelvin Joseph, and uh, the cornerback Kelvin Joseph, and Pitts ran a route, got open, so like made a, a good juke move to get open on Joseph, and then he just runs away from him. Like, oh my goodness, like where does that come from? But you see that with Pitts in essentially every game where he just has these wow factors where you're wondering – why, why is there – like, what are, what are the knocks on him? What can you even say bad about Pitts? It feels like whenever you do that, it's nitpicking. Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, well, he's not going to be really effective as an inline blocker. And it's like, all right, if you're an NFL <laughs> team and you're trying to use this guy primarily as an inline blocker, it's like you have the problem. Yeah, I, I mean, just imagine being a slot corner in the NFL and having that dude line up ahead, like line up in front of you. Like, I would be terrified to try to defend him and it's not just and the thing that's crazy about him kind of like you said it's not just the size it's the agility i mean he the, right. the his ability to release at the line and get open against guy i mean uh, his game against south carolina i mean he was getting open against jc horn i mean that that's yep. no joke i mean that's an that's that is a top 10 defensive prospect in in this draft and he was getting open against them and then his ability to play above the rim is insane i mean he's got what like 84 inch wingspan they said today something it, like something crazy like his that. wingspan his wingspan was 83 and three ace which is the largest wingspan for any tight end or wide receiver in the past 20 years imagine trying to defend a jump ball against that guy and and, and no it, you can't and it and like the thing I, I i was saying kind of during the season and then you know for the eagles after the season is there is a legitimate concern about tight ends immediate transition to the NFL um, because they don't really, you know, tight ends usually take a year or two to really get comfortable playing in the league. But I mean, you're not evaluating this guy like he's Eric Ebron, like you're evaluating this guy like he's Mike Evans. I mean, that's the kind of targets. Those are the kind of snaps that he was getting uh, in college, playing on the outside, playing in the slot, jump balls, running away from defenses before and after the catch. I mean, like you said, there's really you really can't nit, nitpick on this guy, and he's a good blocker. I mean, that's the other thing. Like you know, he's 245 pounds, so he's not as big as like your average tight end, um, but he's like a high effort blocker, which is the most you can ask for a guy who who's going to be contributing the way he can um, as a pass catcher. Yeah, he tries, and I think that is what that's what matters at the position. So you mentioned you won't be able to catch a jump ball against him. You know how that I know that that's true because it was true. 
in the SEC against the best players in the SEC. So J.C. Horn, jump ball, no contest. Tyson Campbell, jump ball, no contest. Patrick Sertan, no jump ball, no contest. Like against the best receivers, or sorry, against the best cornerbacks who are going to be drafted in the top 50, like he, they had no answer for him. So Yeah, um, every SEC cornerback that you can think of who's gotten drafted in the last two years Kyle Pitts is a highlight against them, and like a <laughs> like an unbelievable up, highlight. Yeah, it's like and like you you watch. I mean, you, like his Alabama game, he had an insane touchdown at the end of the Alabama game where he caught it over like two guys last year against LSU. I mean, he's just like you like you said. You know, he's going to do it all, and there's really no knocks on him. And the fact that he tested the way that he did and measured the way that he did today is not really surprising. Makes me mad as an Eagles fan that there's no shot in hell that the Eagles are going to be able to draft him, but. You know, if as an Eagles fan, where do you go as far as Chase or Pitts? If you had your choice, if I had my choice between Chase or Pitts, oof, I don't know. I think I would go with Pitts. I, I think that one of the things that holds me back, and it's specifically to the Eagles, is their wide receiver group is easily the worst in the NFL, and it's not just the worst in the NFL. It's it's one of the youngest in the NFL. So you're talking about a team that is in desperate need of a guy now who can who can come in day one uh, in the 2021 season and start producing. And with Chase, while it's likely that's going to happen, you have a guy who hasn't played football in a year. And there's a chance that, it, you know, maybe it takes some time for him to get adjusted to the to the speed in the NFL. And the, the Eagles just can't afford that with their current wide receiver group, especially if they want to properly bring along a guy like Jalen Hurts. Pitts, I have no concern about immediately translating, not only immediately translating to the NFL, but with a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts, giving him a target who's going to be able to catch anything in any situation, in any alignment. Um, It's a very, like, it's very nitpicky and very specific to the Eagles situation. Um, I think probably a team like the Dolphins or maybe the Bengals would probably go with Chase over Pitts. But um, I, I think, I think Pitts is going to be a special player and, and he's the type of guy who can help a team now. Um, whereas Chase, there is a slight chance that won't be the case. Businesses have always needed customers. So customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes. Not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to Zoom Info, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoominfo, how business goes to market. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's move on to Kadarius Tony, who is a very popular figure. But for me, he's a bit polarizing because I don't really see it. I see a guy that's going to be overdrafted. He was always going to show out at his pro day. That should not be a surprise. So six feet, 193 pounds. 40 and a half vertical, 11-6 broad jump, 4-4-1 and 4-4-4 40-yard dashes, all very, very good, well above average. He's an explosive athlete. He looks like a joystick when he has the ball in his hands. The problem is you have to get the ball into his hands. And I saw some routes where 
I mean, it looks like he's just doing way too much. He's not efficient, and that is a problem for me. I don't know if you remember a few years back at the Senior Bowl, Braxton Miller running those routes and one-on-ones. That is kind of the vibe I get with Tony, where he's just taking way too many steps that he has to, and I don't right. think that is going to win in the NFL. What is your take on Tony the player? I, I'm I'm with you, and I, and I think we might have had like brief Twitter interactions about this, but it, you know he's a he's a very flashy player, and it's hard. And I understand why people love him so much because his highlights are so great. <laughs> They're great. I mean, and I remember in season, obviously he's measured differently, but in season he'd catch the ball and he'd bounce off a bunch of defenders. And I'd be like, oh, that's Alvin Kamara if Alvin Kamara was a wide receiver. Um, but the And that's like what he can do with the ball in his hands. But like you said, there is a whole process in the NFL, especially when he gets to the NFL, between uh, the quarterback – throwing the ball and him catching it. And it's about getting separation and about having the ability to actually secure the catch. And he's not a great route runner. He's a very, it's, it's like very, um, it's very like noisy route running. Like he, it's yeah. like, it's like somebody who's like, has like a really cool handle. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep on making basketball comparisons, but it's Please. like somebody who's like really cool at like really good at like doing like trick dribbles and like going through the legs and everything like that. Um, but like, it's never actually going to take a shot. Um, or is never going to actually going to be able to like shake a defender. Uh, and, and like that, that matters in, in the NFL. So like, there's going to be a big, I think he's going to have a pretty significant learning curve. And if he ends up in a situation with a, a, an offensive coordinator or head coach who's creative about his touches, I think he can be productive early on, but kind of what we were talking about with Terrace Marshall you're not drafting that guy in the first round. You're not drafting somebody that you need to like hold their hand through their rookie season in the first round, especially not in a class that has Kyle Pitts, that has Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, even Jalen Waddell. I, I put Rashad Bateman in that conversation. I mean, guys who are going to be able to contribute early in their careers. Elijah Moore is another one. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you and I are on the Elijah Moore train, and he ran really well a couple a couple of days ago at the Ole Miss, uh, the Ole Miss Pro Day. Is like if you're looking for like a smaller playmaking wide receiver who can you know make make a bunch of noise after the catch, Elijah Moore is probably more my guy because he's got soft hands. He's a good route runner. He's like more of a polished player. Whereas with Tony, you're betting on his playmaking ability, um, but you have to figure out a way to actually get him the ball, or you're you're really betting on him to develop quickly uh, as a rookie. The difference that I'd say with Moore, who I don't think it's particularly close that he's a better prospect than Tony, I would say you're betting on yourself to get Tony the ball, whereas Moore, you know he can get open because he's proven that he can get open on every level right. against press, against the JC Horns, who he has gotten open against, who he has drawn penalty flags against, whereas Tony, you can see a guy lock him up pretty easily, and that happens every game. So I, I would be a little worried about that. So let's let's move on to the quarterbacks, but before we do, um, Jalen Hurts is the Eagles quarterback, and you are an Eagles guy. Give me your quick assessment on Jalen Hurts compared to some of the top prospects in this class. Like, where would he rank in this prospect or in this draft class? The the assessment that I, I made for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts is that if it's not Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, you stick with Hurts. Um, I, I think that. And that's not necessarily saying that he's a better prospect than than Zach Wilson or or than Trey Lance, um, but given his, you know, already like his existing experience in the NFL, 
um, and what the Eagles kind of have around him and what would they what they would need to put around a rookie anyway. That's the kind of trade off that you're looking at. And with Hertz, he is not a perfect quarterback by any means, but I think the blend of his confidence, his uh, football IQ, the way that the team has like responded to him as the quarterback is like I think a very significant thing. Um, and to have a quarterback with his playmaker playmaking ability with his feet on a team that like has so few other weapons um, is like a, a serious asset to give the team any chance to win um, in the short term. So I really, I mean, I you know, besides Trevor Lawrence, like I'm a big Justin Fields guy. I think he's the QB two in this class. I think he'd be the QB one in any other class. And if Justin Fields was there for the Eagles, then you take him because I think that he's a special prospect. But if it's like, okay, well, it's Zach Wilson and and, and we would have to bring him along a little bit or it's Trey Lance and maybe there's like a developmental curve with Trey Lance, um, then I'd be like, okay, maybe we should just draft weapons and build the team that you have, see what Hurts can do for a year. And if he's bad, you're picking in the top five again next year for uh, you know one of the quarterbacks next year, whoever that may be. So when the Eagles' big trade went down last week, Adam Schefter reported that they tried to move up to number three, but that was only for Zach Wilson, which kind of tells you their thoughts on Justin Fields, which is incredible to me that we have this, who I think is a generational prospect, who we have seen mentioned as one of the highest graded quarterbacks to come out of high school. That was the only reason he was number two is because there was another unicorn in his class. That same unicorn is in his class now. And we kind of saw what Justin Fields can be at his pro day. And and obviously, you know, you you have to take pro days with a grain of salt, but he's a 227-pound man who ran a 4-4-4. That in itself is insane. And then you get to see him throw the ball, how effortless it looked. Yes, he has a cannon, but these throws are hitting people in the face. These throws are hitting people in the numbers, whereas, you know, you see other guys. Where Zach Wilson, for example, take his pro day. While people were gushing about his pro day, he's hitting guys on the wrong shoulder. He's behind guys. He's trying to overcompensate, which Mac Jones, I felt like, did as well. But that was just not the case for Fields. He is such – I'm not going to say he's a flawless player because he does have errors to get better, but the things where people are saying is an issue, I don't see it at all, man. And I, I'm – I just cannot imagine a scenario where the 49ers don't take him at number three. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, I've been thinking about this for a few days, and, and it's crazy to think how little we've actually talked about Trevor Lawrence this offseason. Right. Um, because, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, I think that this is an Andrew Luck RG3 class. I think you have two guys who, in their own class, you'd be like, that is the dude for the next 10, like the best guy we're going to see for the next 10 years. And it just happens to be that they're both in the same class and you have to rank them. I think part of that has to do with the fact, and this is, I'm getting a little like tinfoil hat, so I apologize. It's the fact that when it was Andrew Luck and RG3, you had um, Andrew Luck, who is going to be taking over for Peyton Manning. Um, and we all knew that. Like, we all knew that back in, right. in 2012. Like, this is going to be the heir apparent to Peyton Manning's throne. And then you had the Heisman winner that a team just traded three first-round picks up uh, to, to to draft. And there was no there was no secrecy. And we could all kind of, like, live in the hype of these two guys who are definitely going to go one and two. But because it's Jacksonville at one and the Jets at two, for whatever reason, I don't think we're having those same conversations. Like, I, I really don't understand why we're not talking more about Trevor Lawrence. And the whole Justin Fields thing, it just really just, it feels like boredom. 
Um, and that's giving it a, a generous analysis for why people yes. are, are, are not are very, not being very kind generous. To, like, very generous. And the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you have people saying that Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in this class. People saying that, that Mac Jones, uh, I think the quote yesterday was Mac Jones is the most pro-ready quarterback in this class. I don't know what that means. I, I have no idea. Like, like, how do you get more pro-ready than a, uh, than a guy like Trevor Lawrence who started three years at Clemson, played in an elite level all three years, and has played in two national championships? Like, I don't... I don't understand that logic. Um, and I'm getting a little bit off topic, but well, no, let's. You're not at all, and I want to talk right, about that. I want to talk like, about what the is, pro ready what thing. What is pro ready? Trey Lance started one more game than Mac Jones. If you watch what Alabama did, Mac Jones is throwing screens, and he is living off RPOs, like living off of RPOs. That is not an NFL offense. Yes, he does NFL things. Yes, Sark does NFL things. But if we're talking about pro ready and who was asked to do what more, you would easily come away with Justin Fields being the most pro ready in that sense based on what he was asked to do and then probably Trey Lance and then down the line you get to Zach Wilson who was playing seven on seven all year and even Clemson ran some gimmicky stuff where they're running trip plays and getting Trevor Lawrence out of the pocket I mean yeah he can do a lot of things because he is a superhero as far as traits go but I just the pro ready thing is is again late I think lazy is a better word to say just because I don't know if we don't know how to contextualize things but it's it's the pup podcast and people just don't know what they're talking about. Let's just keep it real. And and the thing that sucks about all this is like I, you know, when I was like, you know, I'm 24, so I can't really say when I was younger, but when I was like kind of just getting into doing draft work, it like almost like felt fun to be a hater. And like, you know, it is kind of fun to be a hater, but like I've gotten to a point where in like writing about the draft where it's like I do want to find what each of these guys does well. And I want to be optimistic about my sure. my projections for these guys and be like, this this person's success in the NFL hinges on them being able to do this or a coach being able to do this with them. Um, because it, it doesn't it doesn't end up feeling like hot take takery. It doesn't feel like a competition with like fellow evaluators. You're just kind of just doing your own job. So when you know a couple weeks ago I was writing about Mac Jones and saying like Mac Jones would be a really good fit for the Eagles, maybe in the second round, or maybe, you know, maybe late, late first round trading up, like, because he seems like he's like a, a smart passer. He was able to run, like, anytime a guy can run an offense efficiently, like, I think that's always worth uh, taking into account. You know, he is pretty solid in the pocket. Like, there's stuff there that you can evaluate with him. But, like, every year we do this with, like, one prospect or two prospects where the hype just gets so out of control that then, like, the pushback on it, like, like borders on being hating. And it's just, like, it's, like, what are we doing? Like, why aren't yeah. we, like, actually, like, having a conversation about, you know, how exciting it is that we get, like, two elite quarterback prospects in the same draft for the fact that there's, like, four, like, really incredible wide receiver prospects in this class. Like, there's so much, to, but we just get into the quarterback thing every offseason and it's it's tiresome man it's tiresome and it and and like i feel bad for mac jones now because you know either either he's gonna it's gonna be like an aj mccarran situation where you get just like weeks and weeks and weeks and height of hype and then they get drafted in the fourth round (laughs) um or like it's real and all these guys are just parroting what they hear in the nfl and like you have fan expectation being like this dude's gonna step in on day one and be great and then he's not because he's not. Um, and then there's like another overreaction cycle to that. And it's it's like 
you're just we're just setting these these kids up to fail and it sucks <laughs> it does because mac jones is a good player and i believe it was a week or two ago albert breer had mac jones going number 28 to the steelers which sounds like about right like that would yeah. be a great you know great area where you would you'd feel good about taking mac jones even in the teens i could see why a team would take mac jones because in my opinion, he is the most accurate quarterback. He does know where to go with the ball. He is a much he's much better in the pocket than people give him credit for. Yes, he's a terrible athlete. Like he's not and when I say terrible, I'm using that in relative like relatively to these elite athletes that we're talking about. And I feel like when you have to use context, we're talking about the quarterbacks. We have to yeah. compare them to the other guys in in this draft. So um Jones, I feel like the biggest difference of going back, circling back to the pro days is he just had to follow Justin Fields or Justin Fields follow him. And we kind of saw the difference in talent in quote unquote traits from a guy just putting everything he has to throw a simple 40 yard pass down the sideline. Whereas Justin Fields can throw, you know, these fadeaways and they'll go 55 yards with a flip. Right. Well, I mean, here's here's the thought exercise, right? It's like, okay, well, what about Mac Jones versus Jalen Hurts? Like. Mac Jones sat behind Tua at Alabama, sat behind Tua and Jalen Hurts at Alabama for three or three years, four years, and had to wait until Tua was basically out of the picture for him to get the starting opportunity. He starts for one year. He plays great football. You know, he produces an extremely high level. He was a Heisman candidate. He's a top five pick, according to, you know, Jalen Hurts started at Alabama as a freshman got better every year of his career, only got ousted as quarterback because, you know, Tua played so well in college, transfers to Oklahoma, is a Heisman candidate at Oklahoma, produces out of his mind at Oklahoma, better athlete, bigger arm, more starting experience, second round. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, so how do we explain, how do we explain that, right? Um, how do we explain that course of evaluation? And it's just like, I mean, there, there are very obvious reasons why mm-hmm. um because like you know the nfl loves them a tall white pocket passer right every but, year and um you know uh, you know big media evaluators love love them the same kind of quarterback um but it, it's so ridiculous to just like as, as soon as you scratch away at the surface like at least with zach wilson like i get it right like i'm like okay big throws all over the place easily like any like any t- coach will like see a big throw like that and be like okay yeah I want to draft that guy whether or not it's right or wrong I mean it's like it's they're very different prospects but it reminds me of like the Josh Allen situation where it's like okay this guy kind of sucked in college but okay I get it right he's big he's athletic he can throw yeah. the ball 80 yards Zach Wilson he's smaller he's small um he's he is athletic and he's got a big arm but it's like you're you, there are like pinpoint traits that you can kind of identify as being like, OK, that's why an NFL team wants to draft him. So we just saw we just talked about Jabril, Jabril Cox, who North Dakota State and people always talk about the level of competition for Trey Lance. And we saw Jabril, Jabril Cox go from NDSU to LSU seamlessly, like no issues at all. And now he's still like he's probably it even helped his draft stock indifference. So if Trey Lance is at Alabama this year, do they win the national championship? A hundred percent. Why is that so difficult to like? Why yeah. is that so hard for us to process? We like we talk about this guy as if he's this raw prospect, but why wouldn't he be able to do the same thing Mac Jones did? Yeah, and it's like if you, I mean, uh, this is no hate. I mean, any Eagles fan will know that I've I've written extensively about Cade Johnson. Uh, or no, wait, well, no, I'm I'm getting my 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 Dakotas mixed up. I apologize. Um, no, but the the thing is, like, if you gave 
if you gave Trey Lance Devontae Smith the throw to, <laughs> it's like, like obviously his numbers are going to look great. Trey Lance didn't throw an interception in college. Like, that's insane. Can we, like, he ran for a thousand yards and didn't throw an interception in college. I mean, just purely from a statistical standpoint, that that's bonkers that that happened. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. And it's, and like, with just back going back to Justin Fields, the dude is so clearly special. And yeah. not just from a trait standpoint, but like from like above the shoulders. That, I mean, that Clemson game was preposterous Monsters. to witness. Yeah. I thought he was dead. <laughs> like, like that hit, <laughs> that hit that he took midway through the game. I was like, I was like, damn, like <laughs> he's done. Like, there's no way. And I, you know, I don't like being the guy who's like, oh, this guy's so tough. But to like go out after getting your ribs just, just destroyed like that. They were broken. Let's call it what it like. He yeah, probably like, broke his ribs. Probably broke his ribs. They they probably gave him a shot of some stuff in the in the locker room. They trotted him back out there, and he throws like five more touchdowns. It's like, and Comes now we're having a guy. Alabama the next week, and still plays very well considering the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, and we're having a conversation about like Mac Jones being better. Like, give me a break, and or Zach, Zach or, or Zach Wilson being better. Just give me a break, you know. It's so it's so. I mean, Zach Wilson, Zach. I mean. Like, did we watch the Coastal Carolina game? You know, um, it, it's ah, man, yeah. But we go through this every year. You know, it's yeah. it, it, it's it, like every year a uh, quarterback kind of gets ends up getting anointed um, against all odds, and it's always very strange to witness. So, if you were to rank, and I will give mine first before we get out of here. So, let's rank the quarterbacks. I will say, and I wrote this piece. Go to NinersNation.com, by the way. Um, uh, a lot of people read and commented on that. I have not read the comments. I'm sure they all agree with me. So anyway, um, Trevor Lawrence, QB1. Justin Fields, 1B. Trey Lawrence, 3. Wilson, 4. Jones, 5. That is not very popular. I feel like more and more people are having those similar rankings. Um, I think Lance is going to be so much better than people think because, you know, we're stuck in these stereotypes. I think Fields, no-brainer. I would be surprised if he's not a star. There are so many things that he does well, and one of them, accuracy, who for whatever reason he does not get credit for being one of the most accurate quarterbacks, not just this past year, but in the past few years. Like he's hitting these guys in the face, in the numbers, like the ball catches them for him. So um, it's it's pretty easy to have those two guys high. And then Wilson, just not – you, you said he has a big arm. I don't think he has a big arm. I think he has a good arm, but when I think big arm, I'm thinking of – the ball not fluttering, the ball not yeah. dying in the air as it does with Wilson when he has to throw the ball outside the numbers. And then again, Jones, he's good, but he's just not the same as the other players. And I think that's where, again, we have to add context. So that that those would be my five. How would you rank the top five? Yeah, I would definitely go, I would definitely go Lawrence, Fields, bigger gap, Lance, yeah. Gap, Wilson, Gap, Jones. And uh yeah. And then, and then it doesn't really matter after that. I mean, I kind of like Jamie Newman. That's that's like my my not so hot take is like <laughs> my, my QB six is Jamie, Jamie Newman. Not that anybody cares, but uh, he's probably going to be a solid uh, backup of the NFL. Yeah, he just he should. I hoped he. I wish that he played this past season so we could we could have had a shot to see him, especially at Georgia, because they needed a quarterback and he would have done. Yeah, very he well would have looked nice with those wide receivers. 
Well, that'll do it for us. Again, thanks for joining us, Ben, out of nowhere, pretty much. But uh, it was fun. I, it was my day I off. So I, just, I rolled out of bed to some text messages about doing this, and I was like, hell yeah. Let's do it. All right. Well, right on. Thanks again. Uh, please rate, subscribe, review, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Let us know how you feel about these. And we will. if you have any ideas of what you would like us to talk about as well, we are all ears. So my name's Kyle Posey. Thank you, as always, for listening. Businesses have always needed customers, so customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes. Not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to Zoom Info, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market.